We are now going to move to part three, which is the project management plan or the PMP. And there's three components to this. There's 6.6, explain the relationship between the deployment baseline and the development of a project management plan in linear and iterative life cycles. 6.7, explain the importance of producing a project management plan. 6.8, describe the typical contents of a project management plan. So next we'll look at the project management plan or the PMP. And then we'll start, as we often do, with reading out the definition and then breaking this definition down and exploring it a little bit further. So the PMP is the output of the process of integrated planning for a project. What it does is it details the who, the how, the what, the when, and it references the why, and the why is, again, from the business case. So it takes the business case, why we're doing the project, and it elaborates on that. It expands it so that there's an answer to these questions. What are we doing? Who's doing it? How are we doing it? How much is it going to cost? And how long is it going to take? And you might have noticed in that APM definition, they use the word integrated planning. A PMP is not just one big, huge plan that's like 400 pages long and you carry it around in a bag to all of your meetings. It is a number of different plans that work together in a cohesive way. So you might have a plan on risk. You might have a plan on schedule. You might have a plan about communications, a plan about stakeholders. Those will be separate, disparate documents, but they all coalesce together to formulate the overall project management plan itself. So it communicates the objectives of the project, and describes the scope, what it is that we're doing. What are we making? What is it that we're going to be handing over to business as usual? It shows the timescales and the resources required to meet those timescales. The commercial components of it, like the budget, are there, how we're going to communicate. Baselines and analysis on how we're going to meet quality are there as well. And one of the nice terms that I think is a good one, that's very memorable, is that it serves as the contract between the project manager and the sponsor. The sponsor owns the business case, so the benefits and making those benefits come true. The sponsor appoints a project manager who goes about the task with a team to create a PMP that shows how much things are going to cost, how long things are going to take, what work we're doing, etc. The sponsor signs off on that and it becomes an informal contract between the two that the project manager is going to make the scope within the schedule constraints, within the budgetary constraints, keeping track of risks in the how bar on how do we actually manage the risks. A list of risks will be available there as well so that everybody has a common understanding of what could go wrong and how those things are going to be managed. And all of that documentation together will work together in a cohesive way so it's integrated and then serves as that informal contract between the project manager as well as and the sponsor. So continuing on with the project management plan, the contents of a PMP can fall into two categories. There's unique project management plans, so every project is a unique endeavor. So every project management plan is going to be unique as well. And they'll differ from project plan to project plan. So one project will have a different scope statement than another project. One project will have a different way of managing risks than another project might have. So those are the parts that differ. Those are the parts that are unique, the plans within the PMP. Also is how the policies are, affect the project itself. And those will be boilerplate for the organization. So if there is a health and safety policy, 
The project management plan needs to work within that policy, as do all project management plans within that organization. Other policies can include how you can buy things, how you can procure, how you can bring resources onto a project. All of those are organizational policies, which are the same for multiple projects. So that is the part in which they're not unique. But the unique part of a project management plan is anything that speaks to the actual project scope, which is a unique endeavor, the project team, the project schedule, the project budget. All of those are going to be different for each project. If you were to compare 10 different projects, you'll have 10 slightly different schedules, 10 slightly different budgets, 10 slightly different scope statements. So part three, the PMP and the deployment baseline. So let's investigate what's meant by deployment baseline. So this shows what you're doing, how good it has to be, who's doing it, when and how much. So it's a subset, it's a part of the PMP, and it exists in all the projects that are listed in the inbox seven. So these are linear projects, iterative projects, or a hybrid, which is a mixture of the two. If the team is using a strict linear method, the deployment baseline is documented and it's signed off for um, before you move on to the deployment stage. So it is done during definition. The rationale being that development or deployment is expensive. So that is where you actually purchase capital items, purchase machinery. That is when your um, project management team will be billing to the project through time cards and your team is going to grow. So before that happens, the deployment baseline, which is going to have the budget and the schedule in it, is reviewed and approved before allocation of resources and funding is given. So as such, because it is expensive, when you actually start getting into deployment, it's good to have this check in place so everyone has a common understanding. If you're using an iterative life cycle, you still have a baseline for cost and schedule, but the baseline for the scope is a lot more flexible. As the team discovers new things and new different ways of doing things, you can add scope, add features, or take some out that you don't feel are going to add benefit, that don't add value. With iterative projects, the concept of time boxing comes into play. So by definition, the end date of a time box is fixed. And oftentimes it is very short. It can be as short as two weeks. So you might have a two-week sprint, which means at the end of that, there is a deliverable. And those can't be moved. Nor can the amount of resources be moved. You get a certain amount of resources that's been agreed. It's fixed up front. But what happens is, iteratively over time, you continue to develop the scope, you can continue to add to it, improve upon it, and progressively um, improve the quality of it until you get to a final product. But the scope itself can be changed, it can be moved without invoking formal change control. 